Good morning, and welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jimerson, Minister for Program Development here at the church, and I have with me Carol Ginn, who's our wonderful lay leader this morning. We welcome each and every one of you here. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine within every person, and it's in that tradition that I invite you to turn to those around you and greet the holy among us this morning. It's also our tradition in Unitarian Universalist churches to begin our service by lighting a chalice, which is a symbol of our faith. Please say with me our words for lighting the chalice. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. The call to worship this morning is titled, All of You is Holy, and it's anonymous. Forget about enlightenment. Sit down wherever you are and listen to the wind that is singing in your ears. Feel the longing, the fear, the love in your bones. Open your heart to who you are right now. Not who you'd like to be, not the saint you're striving to become, but the being right here before you, inside you. All of you is holy. You're already more and less than whatever you can know. Breathe out. Look in. Let go. Unitarian Universalism draws from all the world's wisdom and faith traditions. We don't have a creed, a set of beliefs that we all have to sign on to and agree with. So sometimes people ask us, well, then what holds you together if you don't have a common set of beliefs? Well, I think there's a lot that holds us together. We have seven principles that we affirm and promote as Unitarian Universalists. We'll talk more about one of those later. Here at this church, we have a set of values that we've discerned, and out of those values arose our mission. It's our common purpose, and we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. The reading is by Parker Palmer, and it's titled, Wholeness. If I am to let my life speak things I want to hear, I must also let it speak things I do not want to hear and would never tell anyone else. My life is not only about my strengths and virtues, it is also about my liabilities and my limits, my trespasses and my shadow. An inevitable, though often ignored, dimension of the quest for wholeness is that we must embrace what we dislike or find shameful about ourselves, as well as what we are confident and proud of. This is the time in our service when we breathe together. We breathe in, breathe out. We sense the loving presence of those around us and breathing together, we enter into a time of sacred silence together, remembering that human sounds and the sounds of small children are a part of that silence in this congregation. Breathing together, 
following ourselves to that deeper place inside, that place of wholeness and holiness, that spark of the divine within each of us. Breathing in, breathing out, we enter into that time of sacred silence together.
I am reminded of the story of the teacher who tears to shreds a map of the world, and thinking of an impossible task, gives it to a recalcitrant student to put together. Within ten minutes, the boy is back, the task completed. Astounded, the teacher asks him why he did it. The boy replies, When I turned the pieces over, I found a torn-up man. I put him together, and when I looked at the other side, the world was whole again. During the upcoming month, our lifespan faith development ministries and religious education classes will be exploring the topic of wholeness. How do we become our whole selves? What are some ways we can bring wholeness to our relationships with those whom we love? How do we create wholeness and holiness within this, our beloved religious community, our larger community, our society? Our world. One of the things that I loved about the video with which we just started is how, among other things, it points toward one of the paradoxes we encounter when we start examining this idea of wholeness. That paradox is that in order to help make our communities and our world more whole, we must move toward wholeness ourselves as individuals. And yet, it can be so difficult to do that when our society and our world can seem so fragmented and torn apart sometimes. So, our journey toward wholeness by necessity is both an individual trek and yet a passage that must also be done in relationship and community with others and with our world. Now, it might help to take a moment to explore what we're talking about. What do we mean by wholeness? What does it look like to become our whole selves? What keeps us from doing that? There were several quotes I found reading the materials on this topic that might be helpful. Happiness is just one part of our existence. Wholeness is to embrace all that is within us. It's to embrace our shadow qualities, to embrace our self-doubt, fear, anxiety, as well as the brightness, joy, and curiosity. It is all welcome. That's from Dan Putt, a consultant and entrepreneur who works with folks on developing their ability to take risk and to deal with change. That quote and the reading earlier from Parker Palmer that Carol read for us, I think both remind us about an aspect of finding wholeness that can be quite difficult. We have to embrace and accept the parts of ourselves that we don't like so much, the things we're not as good at, the sides of ourselves that might make us feel vulnerable about being judged by others. Part of learning to be whole is learning to love even the parts of ourselves that we may not like or that can cause us challenges sometimes. Some of you have heard me mention before that my parents divorced when I was 12 years old and my mom ended up having to work more than full time to make ends meet. As the oldest child in the family, that meant I often ended up caring for and to a degree parenting my younger sister and my younger brother. Later, though, as I moved into adulthood, I started to no notice this pattern that I could easily fall into of taking care of the needs of others, parenting people who were themselves adults and didn't need me to parent them, 
Family systems theory calls this over-functioning, and it's something that I still have to monitor within myself even today. The thing is, though, that experience of helping to raise my brother and sister, including all of those tendencies it created within me, are a part of who I am now. The whole human being I have become up until now. And those tendencies are not necessarily entirely unhealthy or bad. For instance, I suspect that they're part of why I have spent most of my adult life within the caring professions, which has been amazingly rewarding. So perhaps, paradoxically again, embracing the wholeness of ourselves, including the areas on which we may want to be some work, do some work, means first, we have to accept those areas in order to be able to do that work, and second, some aspects of our whole selves may be both sometimes problematic and sometimes beneficial. In some instances, wholeness isn't either or unless you're a narcissistic psychopath, in which case you don't get to just go, oh, that's just part of who I am. Can't imagine someone like that getting very far anyway. Anyway, Arthur, an editor of the spiritual series On Being, Kristen Lynn says, wholeness is never lost. It is only forgotten. I loved that quote such a wonderful way to think about wholeness. And I think it points us to yet another set of ways in which our sense of wholeness can be challenged. Inevitably in life, we face loss and sorrow. Inevitably, we will encounter the judgments and prejudices of others. Inevitably, we will run up against constraints that cultural and societal norms place upon the expression of our full and whole selves. When we lose someone, or even a creature, a job, a physical or mental ability, it can feel like our wholeness has also been lost. I remember after my stepdad, Ty, died, my mom saying, it feels like part of me is missing. It felt that way to me too, and I remembered feeling that same way after other times of loss. The thing is, so often, though, we wouldn't give up one moment of our relationship with those we have loved and lost. We carry them with us. They and our loss of them become part of the whole person we are now. Parker Palmer says it like this. We all know people who suffered the loss of an important person in their lives. At first, they disappear into grief, certain that life will never again be worth living but through some sort of spiritual alchemy, they eventually emerge to find that their hearts have grown larger and more compassionate. They have developed a greater capacity to take in other sorrows and joys, not in spite of their loss, but because of it. Suffering breaks our hearts, and there are two quite different ways for the heart to break. There's the brittle heart that breaks apart into a thousand shards, a heart that takes us down as it explodes and is sometimes thrown like a grenade at the source of its pain. Then there's the supple heart, the one that breaks open, not apart, growing into greater capacity for the many forms of love. Only the supple heart can hold suffering in a way that opens to new life. 
It's a long quote, but I wanted to share all of it with you because I think he expresses so well how it is the supple heart that will allow us to find wholeness. Likewise, when we experience the loss of physical or mental abilities we once had, it can feel like we're less than whole. I went through this when I was temporarily disabled by an impacted nerve in my neck a while back. It did feel like a loss because I couldn't do the things I used to be able to do, and there was this constant low-level pain that made it hard to concentrate. Now, I'm lucky that it eventually got resolved, so I never had to reach acceptance and find a new sense of wholeness for myself. I have a friend, though, who was born with a condition that left her physically disabled in a number of ways. She says that her journey toward wholeness has involved unlearning the many ways in which other people and societal systems labeled her as and made her feel incomplete. And far too many of us have felt limits imposed upon us, barriers to becoming our whole selves because of gender role stereotypes and restrictive gender binaries, because of our race or ethnicity or religious beliefs or lack thereof, because of our sexuality or our gender identity or, again, lack thereof, and on and on and on. I want to come back to some of this in a moment, but for now, I want to note that even the scars we bear from our losses, even those we may bear from fighting to become our full, whole selves up against oppression and restrictive mores, they too, these scars, are a part of who we are now, the whole person we have become. Many of you are probably aware of kintsugi, the Japanese art that provides a beautiful metaphor for what I'm trying to express, but let me show you a short video that explains it better than I could. Though we may keep a little quiet about this, especially when young, we tend deep down to be rather hopeful that we will eventually manage to find perfection in a number of areas. We dream of one day securing an ideally harmonious relationship, deeply fulfilling work, a happy family life, and the respect of others. But life has a habit of dealing us a range of blows and leaving nothing much of this array of fine dreams save some shattered and worthless fragments. It's at moments of disillusion that we might turn our minds to a concept drawn from Japanese philosophy, and in particular from the Zen Buddhist approach to ceramics. Over the centuries, Zen masters developed an argument that pots, cups and bowls that had become damaged shouldn't simply be neglected or thrown away. They should continue to attract our respect and attention and be repaired with enormous care. This process symbolizing a reconciliation with the flaws and accidents of time intended to reinforce some underlying themes in Zen. The word given to this tradition of ceramic repair is kintsugi, Kin, golden, suki, joinery. It means quite literally to join with gold. In Zen aesthetics, the broken pieces of an accidentally smashed pot should be carefully picked up, reassembled, and then glued together with lacquer inflected with the most expensive gold powder. There should be no attempt to disguise the damage. The point is to render the fault lines beautiful and strong. The precious veins of gold are there to emphasize that breaks have a philosophical merit all of their own. There's another quote related to all of this that I loved. It's from a Unitarian Universalist named Paula Goldad. She says, 
As a Unitarian Universalist, I have come to see that universal salvation is not just for all of us, but for all of me. There is no crevice inside of me that love cannot touch. Now, so far I've been concentrating mainly on how we become whole as individuals, but I want to go back to that idea that I opened with that we must also be in relationship to find wholeness. We must work to create wholeness in our communities and our world to know wholeness for ourselves. So here's one last quote that I loved. It's from our own Unitarian Universalist minister, Reverend Anya Samler Michael. We really don't know our own wholeness until we see the wholeness of another or work to serve wholeness in our world. Wholeness, a sense of our own fullness, a spiritual realization of our own strength and beauty is given when we give of ourselves. We heal our own aches by healing the aches in others. We put back the pieces of our own souls by helping others redeem their own wholeness. I think she is so spot on there, and I also think that this has implications for the work we're called to do in the world to build the beloved community. My friends, I believe that we, none of us, nor our communities, nor our societies, we can never be whole while black lives are still far too frequently being extinguished and destroyed. We cannot ever be whole when people are still being forced to proclaim that their lives do matter. Black lives matter. They do. And we can never be whole when brown and queer bodies are treated as if they are of little significance, when indigenous peoples are treated as expendable, when female and non-binary gender identities are treated as less than, when entire cultures and religious expressions are demeaned. We need all of humanity's beautiful variations to be fully realized and embraced for all of humanity to become whole. Now, I know it probably seems like you can hardly ever attend one of my sermons these days without also hearing from author and researcher Brene Brown, my personal guru and diva. I want to share with you a short video from Brown, though, because I think she's identified a root cause of what lies at our lack of feeling whole sometimes, and then bringing that out and perpetuating that unwholesomeness and unholiness in our world. She says it has to do with how we are constantly receiving messages that make us feel that we can never be enough. And this, in turn, undermines our feelings of belonging and worthiness. She says to counter this, we have to be willing to be vulnerable and to live in a way that she calls wholeheartedly. But I should stop talking and let Dr. Brown speak for herself. The question... I think that drives my work is really what is the struggle, what is our struggle with believing that we're enough? How does that play into the bigger cultural picture? Um, what are the messages and expectations that fuel this sense that we have to be perfect, that we're not allowed to be vulnerable? It's about waking up in the morning and saying, you know, no matter what gets done and how much is done and how it's done, I'm enough and I'm worthy of love and belonging and joy. I think wholeheartedness, the entire 
idea of wholeheartedness is about engaging with the world from a place of worthiness. Unitarian Universalists have seven principles that we affirm and promote. And the first of those is that we affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. I wonder sometimes, though, whether we affirm that for and about ourselves. My beloveds, you are worthy. You have inherent dignity. You are capable of knowing and becoming the whole person you were born and are called to be. And by doing that, each of us individually and yet paradoxically also together, by doing that, we may bring more wholeness and holiness into our world together. And hallelujah to wholeness and holiness. Now please say with me our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. This little Peace.